Welcome to part two of this episode. And for the record, the fortress is actually pronounced Paremosul and not emphatically not Porsimishli. Are we sure it was typhus and not like 5G? Uh. <laughs> the, 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 the whole battle, like, being on a battlefield is bad enough. And like, Joe, you've been to war and you've, been, you've done more war than I have. But like, just, just the idea, it's just like, uh, you might die because of mites because we're just not going to clean anything up. Uh, go fuck yourself. Like, that is just such a... Like, I know that, like, we had to breathe in a bunch of, like, um, you know, burning shit and uh, and probably all have depleted uranium in our bloodstreams, but at least we didn't get typhus. Well, we also <laughs> had vaccines for typhus. Uh, setting a really fucking low bar. Like, well, you know... not been invented yet. This sucks, um, but at least we don't have typhus. It turns out that... Uh, Early modern history is a really bad time to go camping out in the woods with hundreds of thousands of your friends. Um, so what you're saying is I assume everybody just shitting rock. and pissing, shitting and pissing on the ground wherever they want just makes that just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's like, food sanitation is just more of a vibe. Um, <laughs> now, Austria got beaten so badly by Serbia, and it was so embarrassing to the central powers that uh, both Germany and Bulgaria had to send forces to bail them out uh, and then eventually did win. <laughs> but yeah, Conrad did not defeat Serbia despite like edging for 10 years. Now, I could go to the various other things that Conrad fucked up because there was a lot of them. But to the crowning tool that he's truly known for is his Carpathian Mountain campaign, which might be one of the worst ones of World War I. Um, it is, however, the name of my first metal uh, LP. The Carpathian Mountain Campaign, Carpathian yeah. Corpse Road. Yep, that sounds like a fucking rule. I mean, the only uh, the only Carpathian I know is is Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters Two, which is a real fucking stretch into the bag for you young kids. I understand, <laughs> but there was trust me, there was a there was an even worse Ghostbusters movies than the one you know. It's called Ghostbusters Two. It's great. I have not seen any of them. Really? I've even I've seen Ghostbusters too. I haven't seen any Ghostbusters. What? You're missing out on the blowjob ghost. <laughs> I don't know if I am. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm not missing out on the blowjob ghost because I've seen Scary Movie. <laughs> Actually, I think that's Scary Movie too. But what, whatever, either way. Um, anyway, Carpathians. So. <laughs> As you can imagine, after getting wrecked by Serbia, Conrad, who did not get fired somehow, um, knew that he had to win a major victory in order to regain the prestige that he lost trying to regain the other prestige. Um, so in November 12th, 1914, the Russian Imperial Army uh, attacked the Austrian fortress of Polshemishli uh, with a force oh, around 150... Polshemishli. Say just one more time. Poshemishly. <laughs> it's sounded out, so I know it's correct. Uh, if you look up the fortress, you will never be able to pronounce it correctly until you found, like, the, spelled the, out the, version. The, the one pronunciation guide. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it might still be incorrect, because uh, I, I followed the uh, pronunciation guides before. People are like, oh, you still said it wrong. You know what? Fuck you. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, um, it's legit, and, like, 100% could not have said any better. Now, um... The Russians had about 150,000 soldiers. The Austrians had about the same. And while the Russians normally were like laying siege to these, like, you know, or with artillery and ground and ground assault and stuff, what they really did is just kind of surround it and wait for them to starve or surrender. Um, 
So we're going now, like medieval on this shit. Like so well, they they assume that they would be smart enough to be like, yeah, fuck it, I guess we lost. Time to go home. Like, because they're not going to sit there and starve. But I think the Russians were assuming that while this was an important terrain uh, area to control, it wasn't that important. And it would make much more sense to preserve the lives of 150,000 soldiers to use later on in a winnable battle. Unfortunately for them, they were fighting Conrad von Holzendorf, who said, I don't do that shit. I don't retreat. Um, now... Mama Holzendorf didn't raise no pussies. <laughs> he thought of withdrawing uh, from Austrian territory. He thought a fight is deeply dishonorable. So he ordered the garrison of the fortress to hold out, and he would send reinforcements. Now, as weird as this sounds, it did happen once before, already in the war, where the Russians previously launched an attack on the fortress, and then reinforcements did show up, and the Russians did pull back. So, But several months had passed. Um, so... This is now, you know, November, uh, you know, winter's approaching in the mountains. They get very, very cold. You know, a, a counteroffensive or a rescue mission seems very unlikely, but that's what he tells them to do anyway. So the attack on the fortress by the Russians began in November, but Conrad didn't plan his counteroffensive until December, and it was not launched until January. So these guys have already been holding on for months. Um, and when he did launch the assault for the first time in the war, Conrad's forces actually started winning, carving a 24-mile gap in the Russian lines, which is you know a hell of a gain um, for World War One. The world, the Eastern Front is a little weird when it comes out. It wasn't quite as static as the Western Front, right? Of course, of course, some of this was because the Russian defenders were simply badly outnumbered, and uh, you know Conrad had ordered a 100-mile front, and the Russians simply didn't have the men to cover it all, so they just gave some of it away uh, rather than defend it. But as soon as the Austrians uh, kind of outran them, uh, the, they outran their own supply lines as well, uh, which is something you would think of if you were Conrad who had been planning a war for months. Uh, not only had he planned the war against Serbia for years, he had three months to plan this rescue mission. And he still fucked up his own supply line. Um, what, like, I'm so, like, kind of curious at this point, and this might not be, like, an answer that you have, but, like, what, like, what did he plan? You know what I mean? Like, he, like, obviously he'd spent a lot of time thinking about this for, like, fucking years, but, like, he really planned, like, the training or the equipment or the supply yeah. lines. He wasn't dicking around playing Flappy Bird. What was he doing? This yeah, is like, like that scene from Office Space. Like, what would you say you do here? Yeah, like he he got to have been like doing like something. Like it was like he. I, I think he found himself wanting like a lot of commanders did, in that they were trained to fight a war that they would never fight, and so they fought one they weren't prepared for. But also, well, he was just a dumbass. Well, um, but it was like even like more than like I don't know like. You could say what you will about like Joffrey and like some of the other dipshits on like, you know, the Western Front, but at least like, you know, they were planning for a war of movement and ended up with a war of trenches and, you know, like they didn't adapt well and whatever. But like here it seems like it was still like it was still like fairly dynamic and he still couldn't like fucking figure it out. Uh I think a lot of it is while some of the Western Front commanders did fuck up they some of them evolved but it's also because they weren't controlling their militaries quite like he was also his at a basic level he believed a lot of the same thing that a lot of the other commanders did which was like you know i don't need to plan for much this is gonna be a swift victory no need for any backup plans 
which right. you know, obviously eventually the Western Front and you know even the Italians stopped really believing after a while. So but he just he like did not. He just like wrote on a piece of paper like you know we will win and then just kind of doodled around it for like twenty years and called that a plan. Kind of. Um, right. It it really seems like he was just a combination of just being a bad commander uh, alongside of being up his own ass. Because, I mean, he had other officers that he could have worked with, and instead he worked by himself. So, you know, uh, other military officers have other military officers to bounce ideas off of, develop a plan. This isn't like, no military is truly a dictatorship, even though we all make those jokes, right? And there's a reason why, like in our bonus episode, in regards to the Toyota War, why armies led like that always fail hilariously. Yeah. Yeah. because one man can't control this much shit, um, let alone play. Because, like, even if he was a very good military commander, which he was not, uh, he's fighting, you know, the czarist army of Russia, which wasn't a great army. But, you know, they did have battle tested veteran officers who knew how things worked or how things were supposed to work in a war. Or at least, um, yeah, like a general idea of like, you know, all right, I'm in conflict. Like, this is how I do stuff. They had, they had command and control, right? Um, even though they're like the Tsarist army was by no means great or even good most of the time. But like this is right after the Brusilov offensive, which was an incredible masterstroke by the Tsarist military. Um, so they did have some ability to do those sorts of things. They had a command climate, you could say, that um, w- was you know a general togetherness type situation where you could work together whereas like a basic level of like institutional knowledge right well he's ran everything through him and nobody else and then he would just pass orders down to the officers under him that did not have any ability to be like this is actually a terrible idea right Um, okay yeah it it just seems that he was given all of the power in the world when he should have been i don't know maybe an army commander maybe not i don't know He would have he would have done less damage as a major somewhere, but (laughs) just if you just never would have left the Kriegsschule. He was the he was the metaphorical uh, you know um, container ship across the Suez Canal of the uh, Austro-Hungarian's army efficiency. (sighs) Yeah, fine. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, we're devoted. Yes. Uh, yeah, what, what will defeat the Austrian Hung- Austro-Hungarian Empire? One giant czarist army or sideways boat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you come to the history show for timely comparisons, right? Um, now, uh, like I said, the Austrians outran their own supply lines because he was bad at that too. Uh, this forced their attack through the Carpathians and to the fortress to ground to a halt. Just as... Horrible winter storms were coming in. Uh, now, these were not unseasonable storms. This is not like Mother Winter or General Winter of the Soviet Union grinding Hitler's army to dust or whatever. This is just normal weather in the Carpathian Mountains, which was so normal, the Russians were very prepared for it. Um, they assumed this is going to happen. Conrad just didn't. Um, <laughs> they didn't have SWO back then, man. I mean, I mean without, your, without the weather guy, how are you supposed to know? This was Austrian territory. This is part of the empire. Right? He wasn't invading anybody else, but whatever. Hands on hips looking at the mountains like there's no way snow could get on top of those. <laughs> uh, he didn't uh, prepare for any kind of 
winter operations at all, and as such, no winter gear was sent to the front for the soldiers who were caught in the middle of it. Snowstorms were so uh, blinding that soldiers just fell off mountainsides. Uh, frostbite and pneumonia swept through the ranks and began to kill more soldiers than the actual fighting did. Heavy rainfall, the blinding snowstorms, and icy river crossings left soldiers' uniforms literally frozen to their bodies. Cool. Now, Austrian command had no idea nor didn't care to learn about any of these facts. Instead, they continued to deploy their soldiers on open ground in sub-zero temperatures for days or weeks at a time without any kind of relief. At night, soldiers would force themselves to stay awake. Otherwise, they would freeze to death in their sleep, many stomping their feet and dancing to try to stay warm. Storms brought in snow that was six to uh, eight feet in depth, uh, which meant like more, simply marching, which they continued to get orders to do, was impossible. Um, not that marching was much of an option anyway, as uh, their boots were lined with cardboard. So um, they lost their feet to, snow, to frostbite pretty much immediately. I mean, so, uh, yeah, who needs feet, pussy? How do people just not like start, you know, leaving? Just how are you going to desert? You're in the middle of a fucking mat. Like turning around, you're going to freeze to death too. You might as well stay with your soldiers, right? I guess. Uh, I mean, one of those things where, like, I mean, you're also talking about there's like one officer and three NCOs for like you know every unit, like right, like I don't know, like you know what I mean? Like it's it's not you know there's not the same coercive aspect as like a lot of other armies. Like you could just like I don't know, kill the four motherfuckers and like set off. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's the weird comparison, right? We did a series regarding um, Napoleon's invasion of Russia uh, last year. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the key components of that is his great retreat, right? Where everybody knows everybody freezes and starves to death. And the greatest number of, sur- uh, of survivors came from units that stayed together. Uh, the people who were like, fuck this, I'm leaving, almost all universally died. Yeah. Uh, so, like, re- they called it, like, units that rallied around the flag. Much better off. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you could still do that, and also tell your officers to like, you know, jump off a cliff. Figuratively, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it's like you only, like Carrie said, you have you kill like five people, and then the rest of you just stay together. And it's like, let's go somewhere warm. Let's go find Tahiti or something. Let's go literally anywhere else that is in the Carpathian <laughs> Mountains during winter. Like for this I mean, fucking asshole. Our opinions on officers aside, uh, yeah, statistically, they are much better staying together. Uh, through everybody else that froze to death throughout the same region. <laughs> um, it's just like, it gives you like, obviously there's, there's a psychological aspect to it, but also a lot of it is the working togetherness, even at a military, uh, like military level of egalitarianism makes it so the greater number of people survive. Um, now in order for these uh, formations to continue to move, soldiers were sent ahead with like shovels and stuff for uh, hours and days to try to shovel snow. Um, Sometimes it wasn't even just a march. It was to try to get supplies, which when they did get supplies, which was rare, uh, the energy they got from them simply wasn't enough. Um, And like I said, most time supplies just didn't get there. And when they did get there, the reason why they weren't enough to sustain life is because most of them were frozen solid and therefore unusable. So they just, they just had to break out all the whey protein and uh, make some shakes. <laughs> yeah, they need, needed some soylent. Get the, get the uh, uh, a bunch of Otis Spunkmeyer muffins up to them. A whole to bunch go. of Austro-Hungarian soldiers sitting around drinking. Uh, what is it? Uh, the, not not soylent, but the other one. 
uh, uh, the fu- like fuel or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, or fuel, fuel, fuel. fuel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> human fuel. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not weird at all. Yeah, thousands upon th- thousands of soldiers uh, simply stood out in the middle of nowhere uh, and froze to death while on guard. I've I've been there. Let's well, be others yeah, simply said. <laughs> You only can but do it literally. once, it turns out. Um, and while others simply turned their rifle around and shot themselves in the fucking face, uh, still others decided, fuck this, and just stood up over cover so the Russians would shoot them. <laughs> oh, fuck uh, in, in other situations, kind of like the Italian situation, where like Russian soldiers would be on the high ground and see the Austrians and just wouldn't shoot at them. They're like, they look miserable enough. <laughs> <laughs> just like... Standing on a fucking hillside, just like screaming, shoot me as you wave your hands and the Russians don't even fucking do it. Kill me. What are you waiting for? Do it. Nah. So like the one situation where an Arnold uh, accent is applicable because he's Austrian. (laughs) Uh, Now, conditions at night is where things get terrifying uh, because they're on mountainsides and stuff. Uh, Like most of these soldiers are from like the city. Uh, so like they were terrified by like shrieking wind uh, and like the pitch darkness and someone commented uh, in their notes quote mysterious mountain sounds <laughs> I don't know what that fair. means fair fair <laughs> yeah I mean that's kind of legit I'll be honest yeah I would want to be stranded out in the mountains um, and when the people did feel warm enough to sleep their eyelids would freeze shut uh, nighttime temperatures would drop as low as 25 below Fahrenheit ensuring that most soldiers, if left exposed and outside of their group for any reason, just would not wake up. Uh, Troops were forced to march for hours on end in the darkness because they figured it was the only safe time that the Russians wouldn't take pot shots at them. Uh, Other times... Correct? (laughs) Kind of, yeah. The Russians... I mean, like, night fighting is generally not common at the time. Um, Also, whenever they were... They wouldn't... Uh, move around at night. Uh, they'd get preyed upon by wolves. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Like, they commented that, like, they would hear, like, or they would see shadows moving around, and then they would, the wolves would pick off the dying and wounded or the weak and drag them off into the night, and then they would hear them being eaten. So this is, like, the, uh, the aftermath of, like, the USS Indy, like, sinking, except, like, you're yes. not even just, like, floating around in tropical waters, you're also fucking miserable the entire time. That's exactly what I was thinking is like, this is the Indianapolis, but instead of sharks, it's wolves and Russians (laughs) with only within only a few weeks, the entire Austrian third army had pretty much been annihilated. Most divisions had been reduced to brigade size or less without any hope of reinforcement because as a master of planning, Conrad, who remember, I need to underline this enough. Controlled every function of military preparedness for years. Never thought to establish any kind of reserve component, army, or system to be used. I told. See, people want to bag on the reservists, man, but we're important. <laughs> well, it's certainly a different kind of reserve. I don't mean like a whole bunch of dudes to, I don't know, take pictures or whatever. <laughs> to do the poke shit. Yeah, like you know, like uh, uh, you know, most other are actually every other army in Europe to include the Ottomans um, had a functioning reserve component. So like when you do, you know, uh, mobilization, you mobilize every conscript between the ages of probably 17 to 23 
And then your reserves would be the next age bracket after that. And then your next age of reserves would be the next bracket after that. Austria doesn't have one. <laughs> they just sent and, everybody out there to die in the snow. I mean, their entire standing army for the most part, which is why like they never recovered from Conrad's most early fuck-ups, mostly Carpathian uh, mountain campaign. Like While the war was going on, they were rapidly attempting to create one and then draft every dude with a heartbeat, which is a hell of a thing to do on the fly, right? Every other military in Europe had a system in place already to do this, Plus, which also is like- why so many fucking people died. Plus, also, like, not for nothing, but, like, not only is it a lot to do on the fly, it's a lot to do on the fly with, like, a barely functional, like, central administrative state. Right. Uh, like, one, someone outlined that Austria-Hungary was never going to do good in this war, but the reason why it did so poorly is because of Conrad von Holzendorf, but also because his mistakes were so bad early on that the main... um solid core of actual trained soldiers, like professionally trained soldiers, NCOs and officers all fucking froze to death or died in Serbia. So like through the rest of the war, you're kind of just playing catch up until you just can't keep right. up anymore. Or even like the, the very end of the war, like uh, the last like main German offensive on the Western front. And it's like on one hand they succeeded, but they also just like killed off anyone like in the German army who was really still worth a shit. And so pretty right. much from that point forward, it was kind of just all downhill. Yeah. By the end of the war, the Western Front was just full of starved teenagers eating mostly turnips. Right. But um, that didn't like reoccur twice in the same 30 years. Nah, nothing bad could happen twice like that. Um, now, like, they're, honestly, looking at all this, it doesn't make me so shocked that all these soldiers were shooting themselves in so great numbers. Because in most situations, and, and the reality was that these soldiers knew that they were there was no relief coming for them. This because there simply wasn't one. Right, every other army had a rotational system in place pretty quickly after things began to go static. Um, once they realized their giant quick war of mobility wasn't going to happen, so you would stay on campaign or on the front for you know a week or two. Um, and, you know, for instance, the Western Front. Uh, I, th- I think the normal French soldier stayed at the frontline trench for like a week and then would be off of it for several weeks. Yeah. Um, the Austrian, nope. <laughs> kind of like you're you there get, and you're there. Yeah, you just get fed to the mountains. Um, and, the, <laughs> and everybody knew this. Uh, the, the Empire soldiers knew nobody were coming for them. Nobody was coming to relieve them. So they were going to sit on that mountain pass until you froze to death, got shot, or were captured. Or if you just shot yourself and sped things up a bit. Now, if that doesn't sound hopeless enough, when they did attack, there was no real coordination. Because remember, they couldn't fucking talk to each other. There was, they, they didn't speak the same language. So, like, when other officers did get orders to attack, they would attempt to, you know, pass things down, coordinate or whatever. Things would get lost in translation. Or sometimes people wouldn't understand anything at all and just wouldn't support the attack. So they would like the the Austrians would be committed to an attack in like piecemeal fashion, right? So the Russians, who are almost always on a higher ground, just constantly stomp them into the dirt without much of a fight. Um, so by the time Conrad finally did see the writing on the wall, around ninety thousand Austrians were casualties, uh, which was a full seventy five percent of the entire Third Army. Which is just an incredibly large amount uh, for an entire army. Uh, most of them died before they even got a chance um, to die in like combat. Which I mean, for earlier for earlier conflicts, that's pretty common. 
But like, this is only a couple weeks. Right. Like this campaign didn't, this wasn't like a whole war situation, right? Like this isn't like, oh yeah, most of the, most of the casualties from the civil war were, you know, sickness. And I wish I could say that Conrad got fired, but he didn't. Uh, Instead, he fired the guy in charge of that offensive and simply put another guy in place and began planning another one. Uh, He created this, uh, the second army, which was slapped together out of the remains of the third and then, then fresh draftees. Uh, now, you would think that he would wait until spring, uh, you know, summer or whatever uh, for the second uh, Carpathian offensive, seeing as the fact that look what happened the last time we went up into the mountains covered in snow. But again, that wasn't, that wasn't his fault. That was the other guy's fault. Yeah, that's we why a new I fired guy. him. He's gone We got now. a new guy who knows how to not freeze in the mountains, right? <laughs> So uh, instead of waiting you know, three, four months or whatever, it was planned for February 25th. Uh, so it'd be mountain, bitch. even colder. Yeah. At this time, yeah. as soon as the army set out, it began to fall apart. Temperatures began <laughs> to fall. And the constant movement of troops and supplies destroyed the few roadways on the Austrian side of the mountains leading towards the front. This meant that the draft animals uh, that were carrying everything because the little amount of mechanization that did exist in world war one certainly wasn't existing yet. And certainly not here. Like this shitty early 1900s cars were not going to make it up the mountains. Um, so this led to these draft animals getting stuck in these fucked up roads or just dying of exposure. Uh, disease swept through the ranks along with, you know, all of the frostbite and crippled entire regiments. But, Conrad shrugged and just kept ordering them to attack because he really wanted that fortress still. Because in case you forgot, that's still who they're trying to to rescue here. Cool. And like, yeah. also, like, what's what's the fortress like at this point? Like, is everyone just like fucking miserable and also starving to death? Oh God, yeah. Uh- <laughs> I was gonna say so. Like, so not only are they going to rescue all these people, they're going to go rescue all these people who probably just should have fucking surrenders at this point. I assure you, it's dumber than that, and we're almost there um, now. Cool. Instead of the 100-mile front like the first offensive, this one's going to be just 12 miles because I guess even Conrad saw that last plan and was like, oh, I don't want to do that again. Um, now, the smaller front made it much easier for Russian units who were much better led, deployed, and supplied to counterattack them uh, as the disorganized Austrian leadership committed, L- uh, committed units into battle against the Russians once again in a piecemeal fashion. Uh, so that doesn't work at all. And again, the, the weather is killing way more people than the Russians. On March 1st, which, you know, the offensive is still going on, Colonel Weith of the 3rd Army wrote, quote, fog and heavy snowfalls. We have lost all sense of direction. Entire regiments are getting lost and falling off the mountain, resulting in catastrophic losses. <laughs> just like just fu- kissing your mom. I'm going to go. I'm going to fight for, you know. Fight, fight for our country, mom. I'm going to make you proud. And you just fucking fall off a mountain. <laughs> just like some straight up, like, just like Wile E. Coyote shit. Like, just a whole just, bunch like, of lemmings dressed up, dressed up as Austrian soldiers marching into the snow. Or just like they all like march off into like the air, but they don't realize it until like one private looks down and then realizes that they're all just like walking in the air and they all just like fall to their fucking deaths. Yeah, the game lemmings, but the point is to kill every lemming. <laughs> Archduke Joseph Auguste, uh, commander of the Seven Corps, reported that 
Uh, over two days, his uh, Hungarian Havid division, quote, suffered terrible losses. Its effective force number less than 2,000. And tomorrow, despite all these casualties, we have to attack again. <laughs> like, maybe just don't. Just, don't, <laughs> just go turn around. Like, oh, we're just going to, like, we're just going to kill several hundred thousand people just to, like, you know, try to save, like, a hundred thousand. It'll be fine. Uh, we yeah. just, we have no other choice. We have to go march into our deaths. Just off a fucking mountain. This reminds me of uh, the the movie Pearl Harbor. Like every time that they would cut to the Japanese commander, who's just like, like they'd be like, "Oh, Pearl Harbor, Ben Affleck doing Ben Affleck stuff," and then they'd cut to the Japanese preparing for the attack, and the Japanese like admiral was just like, "Oh, I wish it didn't come to this, but you know, this. Oh, I wish this war could be avoided. It can. Don't fucking <laughs> do this, dude. What?" Like this isn't this isn't some like oh we have to nobly go into this battle with America just you fucking don't, don't. You genocidal assholes <laughs> now just imagining like the Japanese start bombing Pearl Harbor and Ben Affleck walks outside of his barracks with a fucking Dunkin's iced coffee and a cig <laughs> <laughs> it's just like sir uh, have you no decency like, and, Fuck, now I need to Photoshop that. Just looked at it, just like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, uh, fucking been there. Oh, this, what? Mondays, am I right? Nobody likes him. Not even Garfield. Not even Garfield at Pearl Harbor. So, <laughs> by mid-March, it was obvious to everyone but Conrad that the second offensive was also completely lost and pointless. This time, it didn't even get within 50 miles of the fortress. But he continued to pass orders to the closest units, which are around 60 miles away, that they are to rush out and relieve the fortress between March 20th and 23rd. Keep those dates in mind. Which, besides being batshit insane, which would have required, by the way, one of the largest and most successful Austrian advances of the war in order for this to happen. Which, you know, spoiler alert, (laughs) doesn't work. Um, so remember those hundred thousand or so soldiers held up in that fortress, they were still there, uh, and they were rapidly losing their goddamn minds. Uh, they've, they've been trapped in there for over a hundred days at this point and they've been starving to death. Uh, they had long since ran out of food and they'd killed all their horses to eat. They'd also been cutting what little bread they had with fillers like sawdust, and they were all, and some of them were fighting and killing each other over every little speck of food they could find. There really wasn't any leadership or command and control left. They probably died already or stopped giving a fuck. Uh, it, the Russians had effectively turned this into a fortified armed concentration camp. Cool. Um, Conrad gave them explicit orders never to surrender. Well, he never commented on the condition within the fortress by mid-March. We can probably assume if he did, he wouldn't have given a shit. Because on March 19th, 19th, that's one day before he ordered the other unit to go and rescue them. He ordered the soldiers within the fortress to break out. Cool. So everyone knew this is completely pointless to include Conrad and the soldiers within the fortress. But he said it was to restore their honor that they had lost. Like, who'd even fucking order at that point? Like, you said, like, command and control broken down. It was just like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, round up, like, the 12 guys around you and go charge some barricades. 
They still listened. Uh, I can I, figure it out. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I guess these guys lost their honor by following Conrad's other orders to not surrender the fortress for months and eating horses and probably a dude or two. I don't know. I don't know. Like what part of that? Like at any point, they're the most honorable unit of the Austrian military because they're still fucking there. <laughs> Just like. You don't want to sacrifice your honor as you're like chewing on the fucking thigh bone of like the dude that you went through boot camp with. <laughs> uh, this attack wouldn't have worked, uh, but it was made worse by the fact that the Russians had long ago cracked the Austrian telegraph code. So they knew exactly <laughs> what was coming. So when the when the starved, half-dressed, and frostbitten soldiers came out of the fortress thinking they were going to surprise the Russians, it was turned into a firing squad. <laughs> After that, the few survivors finally said, fuck it, and surrendered. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Now, remember, that was on the 19th. Somewhat incredibly, Conrad did not tell anyone that the fortress had surrendered. He was worried that if he told the second army that the soldiers surrendered, they wouldn't fight as hard to secure the fortress. Wait, so wait, the day... Wait, at- wait, wait, what? Like, yeah. All right, cool. So, like, this is, like, the whole thing, like, Oh, don't worry. We have one left in stock. Cool. Can I buy it? No, because then I wouldn't have any. Like, this is like essentially like that, but like applied to like an entire fucking army of people in a fucking fortress. So, a day after the fortress surrendered, the attack was launched to liberate the fortress that Conrad also ordered, which again ended predictably with thousands of more casualties. Uh, this one with the added benefit that if they actually had driven to the fortress and taken it over, which they didn't, they would have then also had to lay siege to it because it was occupied by Russians, which, again, they did not know about. Cool. Fuck. After this, Conrad finally gave up on his mission to capture the fortress. <laughs> um, while the emperor was looking for a way out of the war almost as soon as it started and began to spiral out of control... Conrad is one of the few people in the uh, imperial inner circle with power demanding that it continue in order to preserve the empire and restore their glory. Glory, I assume, that also died of frostbite. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it's always a dick measuring content. Like even like, all right, man, like you've killed literally like most of the like breeding stock of of the entirety of our country. <laughs> but no, that's fine. Just keep doing what you do. And every time he like lost a battle, he would blame his subordinates, fire them, shift them around or whatever. Um, and it, which is all just kind of incredible when you think about um, how much he had to do with the Austro-Hungarian military being so bad, in turn destroying the empire as a whole. Um, but after his horrible Carpathian campaign, the Austrian military pretty much effectively came under the command of the Germans for the remainder of the war. Uh, they, the Germans are already uh, pretty thoroughly within the ranks. Like there was Germans within the Austrian chain of command and things like that, which uh, fucking Conrad hated. He fucking hated to the point that he actively attempted to undermine them while they worked, which had the downside, of course had the downside. If you're a soldier of getting more of you killed, uh, because the Germans were so much better at their job than he was. Um, yeah. Uh, now, he was not fired after that either. Um, <laughs> now, if you remember the Luigi Cadorna episode, the crushing victory they had against the Italians, 
uh, at Caporetto, something that Conrad 100% takes credit for. That was under the command of the Germans. Um, so like, that's just like how intertwined the two became at that, at that point, uh, how it, like the, the Austrian chain of command was Germany at that point. Yeah. Now when Charles the first rose to the throne in 1916, uh, cause Joseph died, he knew he had to replace Conrad. I assume that he had some fucking dirt on Joseph or something. I don't know. But when Charles rose to the throne, he knew he had to get rid of him, but he admitted that he couldn't find anybody that would replace him. I assume that means he couldn't find anybody that actually wanted to replace him. Because uh, he's like, oh man, if I get put in charge of this mess, I have to lead it. They actually like uh, they, they make you fit a very precise brand of intelligence, which is like not too high, but not too low. <laughs> like we want you to like be able to like, have a basic level of executive function, but also like, you know, just grind our armies in a hamburger for whatever <laughs> fucking reason. Some, some Austrians are still alive in this country and we'd like you to fix that. Um, <laughs> but meanwhile, the ad just says need a problem solver. So he was actually promoted to field marshal, only one oh, of three in Austria, Hungary, but Charles began to slowly strip away Conrad of his total power over the military before finally taking power for himself as chief of staff and firing Conrad in 1917. Uh, Conrad wanted to retire, uh, but uh, Charles asked for him to stay on board and command an army, which he did. Uh, so he had enough time to command one last terrible battle uh, at the battle, the second battle of the Piave River against Italy, in which Ashi was utterly crushed, setting the stage for Italy to knock them out of the war entirely a few months later at uh, Veneto. Uh, it was like Veniti Veneto, I think it was. Um, after the war, uh, Conrad refused to accept any blame for anything. Uh, not only for sending tens of thousands of soldiers to, uh, to, to, die, to freeze to death horribly in the mountains, but also for having a major hand in starting the war in general. Because uh, in his excuse, he's like, well, I wasn't a politician. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, so all's forgiven then. I mean, never mind yeah. that you like wrote like twenty fucking notes just to go to war with Serbia in a year. Twenty five, yeah. yeah. Um, he died in nineteen twenty five, a complete fucking failure, defeated in every single campaign he ever planned and commanded, which <laughs> I think is a record for this show. So, I mean, I I, I don't know. Um. Who's necessarily worse, him or Luigi Cadorna? But I will, I will say, probably Conrad, simply because he was integral to the whole war starting in the first place. Well, didn't even like Cadorna, like, like you know, luck into like you know some amount of like victory at the end. No, that was Armando Diaz. Uh, okay. cu- yeah, Luigi got fired, and then uh, Diaz took over the army and immediately started winning with it. <laughs> well, at least that. Well, even to that point, I mean, like. Then at least Cadorna, like, you know, built something that could work, just not in his command. Like, I don't right. think, like, the Austro-Hungarians ever fucking worked in any capacity. Not until the Germans pretty much took them over. Uh, right. Like, their, o- their only victories in the Italian front were because Germany was in charge. Um, I mean, I guess it's hard to say. They sucked for different reasons, because, like, Conrad von Holzendorf is a fucking idiot who had a hand in starting World War One, but, you know, he also didn't enact decimation in his ranks and make people get executed all the time. He just threw them to the mountains and let the wolves eat them. Which I don't know which one is better, really. I don't like, know well, either. At least, at least when you're when you're doing that, there's the the idea of like, no, no, I have an idea, I promise. Like otherwise you're you know, it's you're just doing some nonsense. You're just pissing everybody off. 
he was good at that. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, it's hard to say. Um, I guess we'll, we'll leave it to a vote. Um, <laughs> remember, uh, if you need to, um, and you have any questions about this episode, as always, at Eduardo Habsburg, um, and ask him uh, who he thinks was worse. Was it was it Godorno? Was it not? Um, you know, like uh, I think there's That's really only one true arbiter here. I'm actually curious I, who he thinks is. I would say he definitely thinks Conrad is worse because he's the reason why he couldn't like like be a fucking why he's not uh, constitutional monarch or whatever. Yeah, why didn't end up with the uh, you know the um you know the British monarchy treatment? Yeah. Oh god. So gentlemen, fucking, that's a fucking cursed thought. Just like a bunch, just imagining like Austro-Hungarian flag laugh cry emoji Twitter. Oh god. I think it's just him. Uh now gentlemen, we do a thing on the show called Questions from the Legion. Um if you'd like to ask us a question, Legion, donate a dollar to the show, email it to me, DM to me, uh whatever other way you want to use a tran- attach it to a wolf, have the wolf run through the Carpathian <laughs> Mountains. Um and today's question from the Legion is, who is the most unhinged, crazy military leader in modern times? Uh, it, it says it's like modern times is right now. I think that has to be Michael Flynn, right? <laughs> like, hands down. Uh, or, or maybe Joseph Coney, since technically he's still alive somewhere. Yeah, I mean... I, I, it's hard to say who's crazier at this point. Because like Michael Flynn would, would 100% be Joseph Coney if he was allowed to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also probably, I mean, like a good number of folks like, I don't know. I'm thinking of like some like, I mean, there's like all the fucking just absolutely bad shit, uh, evil like military leaders in uh, Myanmar right now who are just like killing fucking protesters left, right, and center. Yeah, but like that's that's crazy. But you can also see why they're doing it. Like you know, they're they're despots and they're pieces of shit and fuck them. But like they're not like Q pilled like you, <laughs> Michael, who's legitimately insane. Yeah, right. They they at least have a, a reason for for <laughs> what they're doing. Well, to be clear, you do not actually have to hand it to them. Uh, just you don't. Just you don't. Right. You don't have to hand it to them. But you can say, "I understand." what what about like some like uh like one of the fucking north korean generals who like has like an entire breastplate full of medals i mean that's just don't hate on the drip man hate the player not the game (laughs) so gentlemen this episode went long as hell uh thank you for joining me uh everybody else let me know who you think the worst commander is uh and until next time stay out of the fucking carpathian mountains (laughs) (laughs) it's just not for you man or at least take a coat with you (laughs) 